Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward and this is Sweat, Grit and Hustle. In this week's episode, I'm sharing an interview that I did last year for Ian Drudy's podcast, Fearless Inspiration. Fearless Inspiration is a smorgasbord of inspiration to feed on, where Ian shares the sometimes personal, often powerful, but definitely inspirational stories and thoughts of his guests. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us, Tris, today. Uh, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm in, at home in Yorkshire. Oh, wow. I'm from Yorkshire. Which, which bit, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I am in what they call the wine glass of England. So I am in the middle of Doncaster, Barnsley, Rotherham and Sheffield. And if you look Yorkshire. at the motorways, it creates a little wine glass, which gives you a hint to one of my um, hobbies. Okay, well, on that, can you tell us something that you both love doing and that you're good at? Something that kind of drips out of your passion? Uh, well, dripping out me of a passion is empowering women to, to create freedom of choice. Um, in terms of hobbying, uh, I love photography. That That's something I love doing. Uh, never done anything to show them, but I just love taking photographs. Now, I've got a little bit on your background, but to get straight to the inspiration, can you tell us... Uh, a person who is one of your biggest inspirations and why? It's, it's going to be quite funny, actually, because it's not somebody in the business world. Um, it's actually my sister. So being another Yorkshire person, she's a midwife. She works her socks off in the NHS and she has a family of six. So four wow. kids, her and her husband. And no matter where things are going in her life, the her attitude towards her family and it being first is just so inspiring that it just reminds me that sometimes not everything is about business and work. Sometimes you've got to put your family in there and actually take time out. Brilliant. That's, that's a beautiful inspiration. Now, I know you've got 25 years of experience in IT management and business consulting in, in various large corporate companies. And then you became a, a property mentor on your own property journey, which has been very successful um, for over 10 years. Um, at points in that journey, you were also a single mum. And now you've set up the Witch Property Group, Empowering Women in Property. And I'm guessing it's a, a group that's related around your passion. And also you've just launched your podcast. So can you tell us some of the inspirations along that journey? Um, it's quite funny, really. So I had a 25 year career in Corpdom, but working for lots of different industries. So I've worked from industries as diverse as the finance industry to the food and drinks manufacturing industry to the record industry, which was quite a fun time. Yeah. Um, so that was on my quest of doing what I believed a lot of people do, which is, you you know, you finish college, you go get a good job and you work until you retire. Uh, and funnily enough, it was not long after I'd had my son that one of my ex-partners became uh, sort of very interested in property. 
uh, went off, made a lot of money in property, actually. He was buying and selling them, being very clever at buying land and old houses, doing absolutely nothing to them, but knowing that if he held them, he'd have developers come in to build flats on that land, which is what he did. And at the time, I sort of put off getting involved in property because I kept using the excuse of, no, I've got a young son, single mum, don't have the time, got a full-time job. Put it off for about 10 years. And about a year after I got made redundant from my corporate career, that is what I settled in doing. I went and got some training in property because uh, I'd made the decision I was never, ever going to work for anybody else again. So off I went into property started my own property journey and created a portfolio and about two years into that journey got asked by a UK education company if I would actually become one of their mentors and trainers which I did for about seven or eight years um so yeah that's that's where the inspiration comes from realizing that I didn't ever want to put power of my destiny in the hands of a corporate company again and why property out of the various things I, I heard on one of the episodes of your podcast I think you tried a few different um things was it because of your the the previous partner that was in into property or was it anything deeper that uh, you you felt you like property I think it was it was looking for a genuine passive income and I, I don't believe there is a, a real true genuine passive income I mean you can go and put money into stocks and shares and if they pay dividends yeah you don't have to do anything and you get money coming in but there's no real guarantee there um, so I dabbled around with things like network marketing bloody hell was that a lot of work it suddenly woke up one day and thought this is not passive because the higher you get up in network marketing the more time you spend looking after your team below you uh and i guess in a way property for me was one of those where yes in the early days you've got to put the legwork in it doesn't happen overnight it's certainly not a get rich quick scheme but there comes a time where you could actually slowly delegate work to other people such that you're not having to do day-to-day -day management for the return that you're getting. And it also, for me, provided a brilliant set of assets to actually create a pension from. And I'm guessing, because you're inspiring me with, with what you're saying there, for people who are in the middle of the early part of, of maybe a, a journey in property or something similar and are struggling a bit and not quite sure whether to to stick it out or what would you, you say for people in, in you know, because you, you did the hard work for however long it took a, a few years at the start to, before you started maybe delegating more things out, you know, what would you say to people who are just, you know, on the fence now, shall I stay or shall I, shall I jump off this journey? I, th I think it's twofold. It depends where people are. So the common things I see are, People who have got a pot of money that they could start investing in property that don't necessarily do it in what I call the most efficient way, i.e. either leave an awful lot of money in a property. Um, and they're the ones that could maximise and recycle their money a lot more than some of them do. Uh, and, you know, for some people, they just want two or three properties to create a pension and that's fine. But if, you, if you're actually looking for an income, two or three properties isn't really going to do it unless they're two or three really big ones. So you've got to learn to cycle your money. 
So by cycling your money, you grow the portfolio without having to keep working forever and a day uh, in a corporate career that maybe creates the next set of deposits. Then you get another avenue of people where they don't have much of their own money. And some of them believe, um, partly because of what they're taught, which for me is what's wrong with some parts of the property education system, they believe that getting a money in, money out deal is easy. And it's not. Not every deal is money in, money out. And even if you get a money in, money out deal, you still have to put money in at the beginning until you recycle it. So they get all gung-go on finding the properties and forget that there's an even more important step. And that is you've got to find a way to fund those properties. And I think part of it is through fear. Part of it is through lack of knowledge. uh, And some of it will be through confidence for some people. But they seem to shy away from that going out and generating the fund piece. Any business, if it needs cash to actually process its end product, you've you've got to be prepared to get your big girl pants on and go out there and find it. Thank you. That's that's really helpful. Yeah, and that applies to any kind of business. Well, most kind of businesses that you're trying to set up, you probably you're going to need some funding. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, thank you for that. And then you've developed your property journey into the Witch Property Group, empowering women. And I mean, I, I love this because I, I, I saw you speak at an event um, where people with the current world of social media and, and IT out there, you can transform something that is either your passion or your expertise and create a community around it. And, you know, add a lot of value, but at the same time, enable yourself to earn some income from it, basically doing your dream. So that is what I imagine you're kind of doing with the Witch Property Group. I may be wrong there, but if that is what you're doing, can you tell us a bit more about, well, I mean, it just it's all inspiring in itself, but, you know, for people who are maybe thinking, I've got a dream and I didn't realise I could do what Tracy's done with, with her property and, and gone into helping empower women can you tell us a bit more in that space yeah so which property uh which is actually spelled as in wicked witch um there's a play on the words there um that grew out of covid so as we entered uh what i like to call lock-in rather than lockdown we were locked in but we didn't have to be down about it um i at the event market Uh, Obviously, I was speaking for a UK education company, but events, live events went overnight. And again, it was back to that realisation of having been made redundant, what, 12 years earlier and said I was never going to put the power of my destiny in the hands of another corporate company. I realised as we got to lock in that that's what I'd done by default, albeit I was freelance. I was still at the mercy of one major client. So when we got lock in and at that time you couldn't even go out viewing properties, I realized that there was an avenue for me to do a niche that wasn't heavily served. So there's a lot of women in property, but um, there wasn't a lot of people focusing on serving women in property. I mean, at the time, if you went and did a search on Facebook for women in property as a group, there wasn't one. So 
I decided that given locking meant I couldn't go out and do the normal training I'd been doing, that didn't stop me creating my own and putting the destiny of what I did back in my own hands. So created a group of women property investors and uh, that group's still going. It's a free group. Uh, and from that, like any business, you, you're not unless you're a charity, there has to be a way to go, how do I actually create a fair income from the work I'm putting in? And I think everybody deserves a fair return for the effort they put in. So literally, we've got the free group and uh, I think it was come July of that year. So three months after that started, I actually formalised what I'd been doing on a small scale for quite a while, which was mentoring individuals in property. So effectively taking them on a year's journey where they'd practically got me 24-7 to help them and guide them. And at the back of that, we, we do webinars every week. I think I've got over 200 hours of recording and training now on our website, which, you you know, you get to that by being one of the members at the higher level. So I've created an income stream out of it. Um, and in return for that income stream, the women working with me are getting guidance and support and strategy to actually grow their property business. And is there any of the journeys of, of those women that are in your group that you've found inspiration from yourself, you know, working with them or alongside them? Uh, I always gain inspiration from a lot of people, but we've got, um, we've got a lady in there who during lock-in were effectively went out and got four or five commercial deals, some of which have now progressed through to the conclusion. Uh, but literally at a time when everybody was whinging and moaning, they couldn't go out and view she was out there finding deals in the commercial world and turning them into a mixture of um, residential. So she created a few HMOs and she's also done a couple where they're, they're conversions into flats. Uh, I think she's completed as in refurbed and refinanced her money on three and she's got two still going through. Plus she's put another two into that portfolio that she's currently converting. Um, so the inspiration I got from that, we all have a belief that I think a lot of us have a belief that you can't help everybody and you can't. But I think what surprised me a little bit is there are people out there doing lots of stuff in property. They're not beginners. They still need help. They still need that support mechanism and they still need somebody mentoring them. And I think that's that inspired me a lot that even the people doing a lot in property will still have a need to have a coach and a mentor to grow their business. Um, we've got another lady who absolutely just really inspires me. When she came to us, she was lacking in a lot of confidence. She'd had a lot of knowledge, but hadn't really understood how to apply it. And at that time, when we started off, she probably would have struggled to do any negotiation with a vendor to actually go in and move a deal forward that needed a letting agent on side to do it. And yet in the first year of her mentoring, she has grown leaps and bounds such that she's now got more confidence to the point where she's gone out and actually done a rent to rent deal that a year ago she wouldn't have even touched. And that was because her confidence has grown. Brilliant. So for those people who are 
have forgotten how amazing they are. They've forgotten how to wave their own flag and a, a law on self-belief. It, is there anything you can help those guys to inspire them? Yeah, a lot of it is realise that fear is not present. Fear is your brain looking to past experience or imagining future outcomes. If you move yourself back into the present, you'll find that you have a choice. Things are sometimes difficult. Things are sometimes hard. But when it comes to business life, if you bring yourself to the present moment and say, right now in this moment, what result do I want? And what is the next step I can take that will actually get me closer to the result I want? And just pull yourself back from imagining what might go wrong and looking at what's gone wrong in the past and accepting that for every situation, there is an element of risk and there is an element of reward. So sometimes we can look and say, I'm not going to do this because X, Y, Z might happen. It's also about looking on the flip side. What if you do it and it goes exactly where you want it to? So it's weighing up that reward and risk. Brilliant. I love it. Thank you. Now, I love inspiring events that somehow spontaneously bring people together and you know dissolve barriers. Is there any inspiring event or occasion or group that you can recall in your life in that kind of space? Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to say one that many people w- might think is bizarre, but the event that I think inspired a lot of people, it, it, it crumbled a lot of people too. But I think COVID itself inspired people to actually understand and appreciate that connecting with people is a necessity in life. Even if you're behind a computer all day, I think what COVID did for us all was remind us that there is a person behind every interaction you do. And when we lost that connectivity, when we lost the ability to be able to see people face to face, I think it was a big reminder to everybody that people are what are inspiring in this world. Yes. Um, Yes. So, yeah. And then there's there's other inspiring events. You know, I've done Tony Robbins. I've done quite a few of his events. I I get inspired um, by a lot of these events where they are often purposely designed to lift you up for a short period of time. The trick is, is remembering when you come out of that event that everything you learned is still in your kit bag. It doesn't have to stay under lock and key just because you're not at the event anymore. So it's kind of maintaining the the level is the trick then. Okay. Yeah. Now, is there a time yourself when you've been at a low ebb and someone or, or something managed to bring you back up? Um, gosh, there's been many times. Um, it's... There's been loads of times. I mean, I've, you know, as a child, I had a beloved grandfather die uh, when I was young and he was still a young age. And that was somebody that loved me unconditionally. And when you lose that, you think that's the end of the world. Um, But it was quite interesting. A lady vicar, um, and it was a good, what, 19 years after the event of my grandfather dying, I had a big issue that if there was a God in this world, because I do believe in God, I, I believe in there being a higher power in this universe. 
But I had a bit of a struggle, became a bit of a rebel because my thoughts were if there was a God in this world, they would not have taken the one person that loved me away from me. And as an 11 year old child, you know, you don't see all the extra bits on the side. You just know what's going on there and then. And this lady vicar turned round to me and she said, and it was in the very early days of female vicars, she said, actually, there is a God. It's the same God that took the pain of your grandfather away from him. So you have to realise that it's it's not about somebody taking something from you. It was about somebody releasing somebody else from pain. And that inspired me to look at all situations and know that even the bad bits in your life, there is a reason for them happening. And sometimes yeah. you just have to understand what is the good, what is the positive I can take out of this situation? Um, so yeah, that was a big, that was a big one when I was younger. And then things like being made redundant, it makes you open your eyes and realize that you can take control of your own destiny. Thank you for, for sharing that. That's really valuable. Now, quick fire inspiration. There can be quick answers or, or longer. It's up to you. What is your most inspiring film? Backdraft. Okay. I've not seen that one. Uh, it's a very it's a very old one. Um, so it was um, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland and I think the director was a guy that used to star in Happy Days, Ron Howard. And yeah. two brothers, firefighters. My, you know, I, I, I've got firefighting in, in my heritage along the way. But the reason that is inspiring is... The two brothers fought like all siblings do, like all business relationships, like all relationships. At some point, you will go through disagreements as well as agreements. That's what makes this world so brilliant. But when the when the crunch point came, the brothers were there for each other. And that's what was inspiring about it. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, look at you. Your most inspiring aspect of nature interesting one my most inspiring aspect of nature do you know it's probably plants because if you look at plants they give you a clue as to how to operate in business when you find something that works rinse and repeat it so if you look at any plant it you know even when somebody cuts it down it it will grow it will grow it it will come back even there are some plants out there that they can burn in forest fires and some of the seeds need the fire to then suddenly spring into life and if you look at a lot of plants you look at the repetitive nature the leaves are just a repetition of what it's already done that works um but i think the biggest inspiring thing for me is you know there are there are some situations where you'll completely kill a plant yeah not watering it'll be one of them but if you water a plant if you give it sunshine, if you nurture it, it will grow and it will repeat what it's good at doing. And that to me yeah. is something to be inspired by in business. Find what works, repeat it, water it, give it some sunshine, sow it on fertile ground. If the ground's not fertile, be prepared to move it and that that plant will grow. Beautiful analogy. Thank you. Your most inspiring aspect of design or style? Oh, it's got to be an Apple Max. 
got to be the yeah. Apple Macs. Yeah. I mean, you look at the entire Apple range. Um, and I, I remember Apple in 82, 83, when the first one started coming out. Um, I remember back at college doing my graphic design sort of diploma. We had in the tech department, we had some of the first ever Apple Macs. So you look at where Mac was and where it is today. There is nothing mega special about that brand. It's it's a form of laptop. It's a form of phone. It's a form of watch. But if you look at how Apple has grown, it has all come from the fact of recognizing that the design of something, the look and feel of something is what can actually sell you multi-million dollars worth of product. One of your most inspiring songs. Oh, um, I don't, do you know, I listen to so much music, but I think the Devi Prayer has got to be one of them. And the other is probably the theme to the Gladiator. They, they, it's Definitely. just beautiful music. Um, and I, I can't remember the title of it, but I think the Gladiator theme tune is, I think it's called Now We Are Free. I'll put it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, pop it I'll in the show it. notes. But it's the theme to the Gladiator or the Devi Prayer. Both of them are just inspirational pieces of music. And the last quick fire inspiration, your most inspiring aspect of travel. Could be a mode of travel or a place. Um, well, I, I travelled all over on planes for quite a long time as part of my career. Um, I must admit, Hong Kong Island and going as a as a native on the bus to get up to the top of um, one of the peaks that that was quite awe inspiring, quite scary as well. Um, but I recently did my first ever cruise. And I have to okay. admit, there's something magical about... I mean, we went through eight countries. There is something magical about getting on a ship, unpacking your suitcase, putting your clothes in the wardrobe, and when you go to bed at night, you don't have to pack and leave and get on another plane. You go to bed at night in your same cabin. When you wake in the morning, you're in a new country, and you didn't have to piss around going through airports to do it. So yeah. I, I I love that aspect of cruising and being able to see so many countries in one go. And it's now on my bucket list to do one of the expedition cruises from the Arctic to the Antarctic. Wow. So, so they, they sail all the way or are you going to two separate ones? No, nope, there are cruises. Um, there's different cruise lines now. They'll do different expedition trips to... Um, the Antarctic and the Arctic. So you literally, you know, <laughs> right down to the fact you've got thermal, like big coats to, to stand on deck and see the ice caps and things. But there is one cruise company, there's probably more, but I know of one where you can either get it from um, the southern part of Northern America or you can get it from South America and do half the trip just going down to the Antarctic. Or you can do the full trip where you start at, you know, you fly up towards the Arctic, get on the expedition ship, go up towards um, the Arctic and, and that side, and then the boat comes back down all the way to the Antarctic. Wow. Well, that's, that's new. Yeah, me, not your then. normal sort of sunshine cruise, that's for sure. No, no. Right. So your podcast, Sweat, Grit and Hustle, which is for anyone starting out in business uh, with, with a willing to learn, willingness to learn from others. Uh, you're interviewing 
different people and you're giving some of your, your own wisdom on there. And, it, you know, you're also interviewing people who have really achieved a lot already. Is there, can you tell us a bit more about that, either what inspired you to do it or any of the inspiring stories of, of your guests? Yeah, I mean, part, part of this is I'm, I'm known for working with women and property, but there's also a lot of other businesses out there. And I am, you know, 25 year career where my career, when I left corporate world, I was a management and business consultant. So I've got qualifications in um, business coaching uh, and mentoring, if you like. And I, I wanted to start something that wasn't just focused on property. Uh, yes. There's lots of people out there doing side hustles just to make an extra 500 quid a month. There are people out there starting business and there are businesses that have already been started, but they're maybe not growing where the owners want them to. They're still in what I call their infancy and teenage space. So part of doing the podcast was to broaden what I'm known for, um, which is business, not just property, because the property stuff I do is I teach business property as a business not just property and what we do is um we have uh, a four-week cycle so one week out the four I'm, I'm interviewing people that have already made it in business uh another week out the four I'm actually doing real life journeys with people that are just starting or in the early days of their business and then the other couple it's content and basically giving people knowledge and content around starting and growing businesses now, one of the reasons I put in the section about having real life journeys is because, you know, I listen to lots of podcasts with lots of very well-known people and they're phenomenal and they're really great. But if you take, say, somebody who's already done a seven figure business, if you're just starting out, that's inspirational, but it's very hard to aspire to be there because the gap between you and them is so great. So for some yeah. people, it's too big a jump. So the reason I put in the real life journeys is because that's giving people who want to go out there and create a business or are just starting one a bit of inspiration from somebody who's only slightly further ahead of them. And they can actually imagine being there. So in the real life journey is the aspirational side. So we have content, aspirational stories and inspirational stories. That's, that's brilliant. Thank you for that. And I, so you, when we're chatting, in just before we, we hit record you mentioned that your son you're in your, your son's um office now or bedroom now at your office uh, can you tell us any inspiring stories from from your family space um well i think i think as a single mom um i mean i my son was um about eight months old when me and his father decided it was better to have three happy people than three miserable people and I was still working a full-time career then so part of the reason when I got made redundant I didn't want to go back to corporate world was my son had grown up being cared for but I missed a lot of his firsts I missed the first day at school the you know the first steps the first words because I was out there earning an income because somebody had to sort of pay for the money over his heads, as it were. And as he grew up, he became very independent, learned at a very early age how to, you know, put his own washing on. And, and don't panic, listeners, he was 13 or 14 when we got him doing that. But he's become a very independent young man. And 
originally it was an inspiration for me there was probably a little bit of guilt that it'd become that out of necessity because I wasn't there but in reality as I learned as he got older it wasn't it was actually being inspired that you know there's a world out there and if you get a little bit of independence you can go off and create your own dreams you don't have to wait for somebody else to dish them on a plate for you yeah thank you for that and for people who might struggle to keep a balance between getting inspired and staying grounded i'm guessing where you you alluded before to coming back to the present moment anything else you'd add to that um I think the staying grounded is, and I I try to do it even with my group, is don't believe that you are any better or any worse than anybody else. We are all individual. We all all have our own little bit of magic to give the world and we all have our own voice. So just remember yours counts as much as anybody else's, but it doesn't mean that somebody else's is less value than yours. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Coming towards the end now, um, what is most right in the world? I think right now what is most right in the world is the sort of 20 to 30 generation, the younger generation um, are finally being heard and they're finally having their voice that we cannot keep treating the planet the way we've been treating it. And... That is inspiring, but I think it's also what's most right in the world that the young guys are being prepared to speak up. They have noticed that this world is not totally right and they have realised that if we carry on treating it the way we do, we won't suffer, but our future generations will. So that that for me is what is so beautiful right now that there is a generation that has literally made the rest of us wake up and go, you cannot keep destroying this planet. Thank you. And yeah, that's somewhere that I'm starting to get more moved by in the last few months. Can you tell us a bit more about any aspects of that that, that makes you say that any, I don't know, examples of what people are doing or, you know? Um, well, I think, uh, I mean, we've just had uh, COP26, is it? Um, yes. and there yeah, was yeah, I went for two days last week actually <laughs> ah, so what I noticed out there was there there were some youngsters talking on one of the news programs and they were talking about the things we can do you know to actually start addressing this world more recycling growing more of our own food um, not accepting that what the big supermarkets are doing is right. So there's a lot of supermarkets now putting their vegetables in paper bags rather than plastic bags. And I think the part is, is the number of young kids that were on some of the news reels literally voicing their opinion on changing the world. I had the, you know, I'd been chatting to a gentleman, he's 26 years old, whose business, he used to sell fireplaces for a living, His business is now, he's the owner, if you like, of the distribution rights in Europe and the UK for an American company that take um, inner tubes from cycles, which, you know, there's this thing about get on your bike, don't always use your car. Well, yeah, but believe it or not, if you're going on your bike a lot, there is a shed load of inner tubes get effectively put to landfill because they have to be replaced. 
So basically a company in America will take those inner tubes and they will turn them into other things like backpacks, wallets, um, duffel bags. They will create new products out of the inner tubes that would go to landfill. And what really amazed me, and maybe it's just because I've got a, a bizarre brain, but even the valve from the inner tube gets reused because they turn that into the pull for the zippers. And, right. it, you know, you think there is a there is somebody in their mid-twenties who has gone off on their own back, seen a pile of inner tubes that they are creating because they cycle a lot and decided to do something about it. And I just think yeah. that in itself is inspirational. Thank you. I, do you know the name of the company? Or yeah, I do. The um, If you want to go see what he's doing, it's a guy called Josh Hanvey. And the company is called the Niche, uh, the Niche Company, and that's spelled N-E-E-S-H. And I think you can go. There's a site called the Niche Store as well. dot com. Um, but yeah, he sells in Europe. Um, some of them branded for companies' um, own logos, but he sells a load of product that has been created out of basically waste material from cycling including lorry inner tubes it's not just cycles they do this with lorry inner tubes as well so tire inner tubes from big lorries they turn those into stuff as well and old car seat you know car seat belts they'll yeah. utilize the car seat belts for handles for some of these bags and things so wonderful yeah thank you now what is the next book on your reading list? The next book on my reading list is The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a... F it, well, can I swear on here? I'm not sure. Well, well we'll just spell it. We'll spell okay. it. So <laughs> it's, um, it's F-U-C-K, but obviously on the front of the book, it's got two asterisks, asterisks covering up two of the letters. Uh, and that's led by a lady called Sarah Knight. And... Yeah, I've, I've read little bits of her stuff, but the reason I, I've got that one on my reading list is sometimes we hold ourselves back because of what we believe other people think. Uh, and yes. sometimes that's for the right reasons. If we're doing something that's unethical, absolutely. But if it's just because of your concerns over what you believe other people might think of you or what they might believe about what you're doing... Sometimes it, it is life changing if you stop giving a who about what other people think. As long as you're being ethical, as long as you're not being offensive, don't hold on to fear and hold yourself back because you're worried about other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank, thank you. That sounds like a yeah, a kind of book that would do me some good. So um, yeah. If people want to get in touch with you, how should they do that? Uh, well, I'm on most of the uh, social media platforms. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. My name is pretty unique. Um, so just look uh, for Tracy Cartland Ward. Um, you'll find me on there. Uh, the Witch Property Group, um, if you go onto Facebook and just search for Witch Property, spelt W-I-T-C-H, um, you'll find our group for women in property and that is totally free and anybody's welcome to join in. Um, and yes, we, we do do it as a female sort of support community. Um, but guys, if you want to get in touch, just reach out to me on social media. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. You are welcome, Ian. To keep up with what we're doing and what's coming, 
on Sweat, Grit and Hustle, do visit us at www.sweatgrithustle.com.